Hello, Philip. Hey, Erica. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm just trying to get, uh, I got my headphones on. It's a little funky, but. Welcome to the Mixed Media Tapes. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. The Mixed Media Tapes is a short artist talk series based on word and phrase prompts. I have invited visual artists to select a topic and share their thoughts and stories based on that topic. Let's listen to what artist Erica B. Hess has to say about light and color in her work. I would have to just keep them in this abstract realm, and so I really relied on my understanding of color and also thinking about light, but thinking about light kind of coming through. And a bit later in this episode, artist David Linaway shares his experiences with light and shadows in his work and studio life as well. Blown away by, you know, light, color, shadow. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Mixed Media Tapes. Here we go. Oh, and before I forget, do check out the feature posts over at themixedmediatapes.blogspot.com to view images of Erica and David's work. Or better yet, head on over to their own sites, ericabhess.com and davidlinaway.com. All right, I'm going, I'm going. Thanks so much. Listen in. My name is Erica B. Hess, and you're listening to the Mixed Media Tapes. Erica, welcome to the Mixed Media Tapes. Thank you so much, Philip. I'm really excited to be talking to you. Oh, thanks. Same here. <laughs> okay, I was just curious for the listeners, like where, like City and State, where is your studio located? Yeah, so I recently moved to Columbus, Ohio a few months ago, and my studio is also here. Cool. So how's that going so far? It's going really well. You know, it's been cold and I've been redoing a garage space to be my studio space and everything's finally done. We're getting the heater in this weekend. And so I've just kind of been working um, indoors on a kitchen table and I'm really excited to go large and get the heater going after the polar vortex and everything and start oh. really working outside and working large again. Oh, cool. So I'm excited about my prompt, light and color. I'm really excited okay. I get to respond to that one. Nice. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll jump in and, and just start talking about light and color in my process. Um, so I've, I've always felt that light and color at the core of my painting work, and I think in, in many ways, of course, the core of all visual art, um, at least visual art practices. And one of the reasons I've always been interested is um, in color being a primary concern is because when I was a, a young painter, learning to mix paint. I was trained from observation and color uh, combinations are so key in that world, right? So so mixing a color that is going to be representing a building or an object and then mixing the color that sits beside it to um, represent the sky or the table or what's going on behind it um, and how you really have to pay attention to so many things in that color, right? Like temperature, the value, um, the hue, all of these different pieces in order to start to create uh, the space. And I remember taking a color theory class uh, and it was based off of Joseph Albers and I just fell deeply in love with, with thinking about color. And something that I also noticed was that I naturally tended to 
saturate my colors. So I'd be like working from life and I'd, maybe I'd be doing like a, a self-portrait. And before I knew it, there'd be like these like crazy purples and greens happening in there. And so I, I started to recognize it was just my my natural response was to to saturate. And as I started realizing that was an interest. I started to um, create inventive figure, figurative work. And in order to do that, a huge part of that became light. So the reason it became such a big deal for me is because as I would go through inventing, I would be like, okay, I want to put this color here, but how am I going to make make it happen or I want to have this dark value and so I'd have to think about where the light was coming from or to affect the color what time of day it was or if there was um, light hitting the side of I don't know like a vase or something and that was going to be casting a color onto the tabletop so really kind of piecing those two worlds together in order um, to create those those figurative pieces and those inventive figurative pieces um, yeah so I think those would probably be like the two biggest things for me and how I was able to move through a painting um, was really uh, thinking about how those work in tandem yeah, that's cool. I like uh, you use the word inventive a few times there, and that was uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like thinking about your work, uh, I hadn't thought of that, and I've been. You know, I'm usually I'm kind of a word guy, so I tend to think of or try to think of words that to to jump in with, and especially you know during the podcast, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. And and one of the words that I wrote down was intuitive, and I was wondering if uh, if basically that's the the way it happens for you or do you plan things out a little bit more or mm -hmm. yeah it's really a combination when I do uh when I make my inventive paintings <clears throat> I typically start out with an idea like I'm going to create a blue painting or I'm going to create a red painting I'm always kind of trying to change up that major color that I'm going to be responding to and when I choose that color I tend to um then have it affiliated with the time of day uh, because I, a lot of the paintings I'm creating right now are in outdoor spaces, so figures in outdoor spaces, um, in nature, that type of type of thing. So once I kind of nail down a certain color and therefore a time of day, I can really begin to build. And um, that's where the intuition starts to come in. So like, you know, if I'm having a blue painting, you know, automatically, what do we always think of? Of course, we're going to kind of probably pop some yellow or some orange in there. Yeah. And I really start to just respond to the painting from there. And sometimes I start with a blue painting and it ends up being a yellow painting, but I do try to keep it kind of in that world. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the figures I know obviously important because they're usually, there's one in the painting or they're pretty central. Uh, except of course, when they're, they seem to be friends in a pool or something hanging out, which is pretty cool too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's become a, a new motif of sorts where I've really been exploring and um, I'm excited for some uh, some future pieces. So that, I guess, is another another deal. I tend to make smaller paintings, typically eight by 10 inches on panel that explore ideas and compositions and color combinations that can later be used in larger work. Um, so those are the inventive pieces. And I also do small eight by 10 panel pieces from direct observation to kind of keep myself sharp. So for example, a few years ago when I really came back to the figure, cause I've been doing abstract work 
prior to that, I started the flower bearer series and that was, um, people giving or receiving flowers. So it's really up to the, um, the audience or the, the person looking at the painting to decipher if they are, if the figure is giving or receiving the the flowers and which way they want to read it. Yeah. And so those were all inventive and oh my gosh, you know, I'd be like shifting the figure to think about, um, to think about the composition a lot, or again, switching the time of day. I did this one piece where it went from like morning to night to like this deep blue, which was supposed to be, you know, like this, like this time, this calm in the middle of the night. Um, so, so anyway, I also realized doing that, that it's really hard to invent flowers. I was having like a major problem. So after that, I decided to do the eight by 10 panel pieces um, from direct observation of flowers. I just kind of cranked a bunch of them to really investigate how to build those forms. Oh, cool. And I, I actually, I'll jump in and say that, like, I think that's pretty successful because I remember one of your, your posts, I think I had shared it. Um, it was a, a vase of flowers and plants, uh, and my friend Kate jumped in and in a comment said, oh, I can ID every one of those plants. And I was like, I bet you can. Like, I'm totally not even denying that. You know, <laughs> like, uh, I remember that post and it made me so happy because I was like, oh, my God, that's why I've like, I'm doing these, you know, painting from observation to figure out these plants and how to paint the forms. <laughs> right, right. And she's like a plant person. So, it's, you know. Thanks, so, Kate. You made my day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Now, you almost answered a couple of questions, or at least one of them is about like working abstractly, which I noticed looking at your website, uh, you had you had some that were almost like still lives, like not traditional, but they 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 blurred the line between, you know, sort of a rock over in the right top right corner and then a leaf over in the bottom left corner. like I, And there was something resting on like a piece of paper, what it, which it looked like uh, just like an interesting arrangement of objects and, you know, which broke up the space and picture plane. It was kind of cool. When I left grad school around 2009, I was really shifting out of the figure and um, out of working from representational objects. And at that time, I moved to New York, and um, it was like zombie formalism was everywhere. You remember all of that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was really interested. My my painting heroes, you know, Joanne Greenbaum, Mary Hellman. Um, a lot of these artists that were making uh, non-representational paintings, and I thought. I want to, I really want to dive into this. And so I spent, um, I think about from 2009 to 2014 making, um, abstract painting. So maybe 2010 to 2014. So about four years. And while of course they were painting, so there was a similar language in some ways, you know, um, and I was also responding, you know, going back to light and color exploring it in a very similar way because when I'm inventing I will be responding to the forms I'm putting down which a lot of times will start out abstract like here's going to be you know like a circular form and here's going to be like this triangular dark form in the lower left corner and instead of turning them into objects which is what I'd always done right I would have to just keep them in this abstract realm and so I really relied on my understanding of color and also thinking about light, but thinking about light kind of coming through the actual canvas, um, which is how I kind of approach it now. And what I mean by that is 
I really don't like to build up lots of layers of colors on my painting. Like what I'll do is when I'm working with oils, I'll wipe back down to the white of the gesso of the board, or if I'm working on canvas to the canvas and then paint back over so that the color is really clear by the light going through the pigment, bouncing off of that white gesso and yeah. back out towards the viewer. Like that's something that I'm I am really big on and I'll even like if I can't wipe back down because the painting is dried, I'll just go back in and, and paint um, with some white and Gal Kid <laughs> added into it so I can oh, cool. kind of, yeah, paint back over top of it. Yeah. This is why I can't work with acrylics personally yeah. <laughs> It's because they dry and then I'm like, oh, I want to get that white so I can put, you know, change this color a bit and have it um, have that light bounce back out almost like a stained glass window of sorts. Yeah. I mean, you have you really have these like some of these paintings are just bouncing the colors right right off of the <laughs> surface, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I that's what I love. I love when you can look at a painting and the colors, they just, you know, they really do. They just like kind of drive towards you. And um, that's what I'm always trying to achieve in my paintings. When I think of figures in a, in a painting, it's like there's like a certain moment there. And it's not just the figure with you. I think it's like the light and the color and everything else. And then you almost get like a, you know, I you, you mentioned location and time of day. And that was something I wanted to bring up is uh, you're there, like you can see it, it's, it's, it becomes very real, you know? And, oh, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, the reason I started really getting into that was just because, and it's amazing. I was just on vacation actually in Florida and I wanted to take some photos and think about color. Cause you think about tropical color, right? Well, to be honest, in the middle of the day, it's totally boring. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> there's too much light everywhere. Everything is just kind of washed out, you know? And so you have to almost get those moments and those, those really brief moments in the morning or at night, right? Like I was running down to the beach to try and get um, some photos to think about colors of skies at sunset, right? And like, if you miss it, yeah. <laughs> you're out of luck, but you can't see the color, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, that, that's a huge driving part of my paintings um, that have figures in it. And it's funny because the figures, as, when I become more interested in the environment and the light, the figures scale down and then they kind of creep back up sometimes when I'm thinking more about like um, really getting into composition and like building the form. So, yeah. The sheet that I or the list of questions I sent to you, I had that fun mystery question in oh, yeah. parentheses, <laughs> which I think we covered, but just for the sake of, you know, <laughs> for the sake. Oh, of... I want. Yeah, I would love to hear the the okay. fun mystery question. I'm excited about it. <laughs> we we uh, you know, you've mentioned time of day and location, and and I that was like the mystery question was, you know, if you had to pick a time and uh, time of day and location, ideally to work, uh, even romantically thinking about it as like sweeping the work, like what would that be, what and where? Ooh, okay. So I have two answers. So for actually just creating work, I just want a warm studio. I love working in my studio. Yeah. I, I remember when I was in Chautauqua, I realized I was, and I talked about this on the Studio Break podcast briefly, but I really realized I was a um, studio painter because I like to go out occasionally and work, but I just, really want to invent and create my studio. Um, but then like where, like if I'm making paintings about a place, um, 
And this is something I've been thinking about a lot as I've been um, gearing up with small paintings to start making some larger ones is uh, definitely um, right, like right around the time that the sun sets and there's so many colors in the sky uh, and on the beach. And I was just at Florida. So I'm really thinking about that. And Florida is kind of part of my, um, in a weird way, my childhood, which I'm just now thinking about as I'm going into these new paintings. I used to go on these small vacations uh, with my my father. And um, yeah, just this, you know, when you go on a vacation and you're like really pumped up about it and it never actually is as amazing as you think it's going <laughs> to be, but you have these dreams of what it's going to be like. Yeah. yeah, I'm interested in exploring that a little bit right now. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, no, I'm well, I'm hoping this summer and, and what a great time to be creating this kind of work, I guess, um, to be really rolling out this new series. But now that I've talked about it, right, it'll totally switch. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. It comes up all the time. Just this idea, like if you have an idea and it's in your head and then you go to canvas or surface with it, it just it never it never comes oh, out yeah. the same way and Inevitable. i think once i accept that and hope maybe other people too it's like then then it becomes okay like okay you gotta accept that that's not gonna be the same and you know take the pressure off you know oh 100 percent. it's like you know what makes the best paintings well a quote-unquote mistake that you have to respond to yeah, you know yeah. If everything just comes out the way that you're thinking, like, where's the fun in that? Where are you learning anything or having an experience? So, yeah, I totally agree. Setting out with one idea and then, you know, it just shifts and changes and and you adapt to it. Yeah. I have my other question, which I wanted to include. Yeah. Can you use three to five words to describe your palette or your paintings? I'll, I'll let you choose uh, generally. Yeah, I'll I'll go with my palette, I think, because I think it's such a, a part of my work. And um, okay, let's see here. Uh, three to five words describe my palette. I would definitely say um, saturated, warm. I tend to, to work with warm colors, even when I'm working in like my blues and purples, I tend to, to start mixing um, warm colors. Yeah. Um, I would also say uh, vivid and kind of femme. Like I'm, I've always been really interested, you know, in color used to market to women. That's originally where I started getting into um, using a lot of pinks. Was thinking about like how color can be used to manipulate or how color can be used to market specifically to females because you know that is who I, you know, how I identify yeah. and. And once I started really thinking about that, I just started amping it up even more. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Next, Erica shares a bit more about color and getting into and out of a working pattern. For me, one of the big reasons that I started cycling through, like, I'm going to make a red painting. I hate making red paintings, by the way. Red's the hardest color for me to work with. Okay. But if I don't do that, then... I will just start to kind of fall into too much of a pattern. So, you know, like yeah. forcing myself, like I'm going to make a yellow painting, you know, um, just kind of, uh, gets me moving forward on it. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. So just like basically challenging yourself, like from painting to painting. Yeah. Trying to mix it up, right. Trying to push forward and not fall into too much of a pattern. Yeah. Although sometimes I think, 
let yourself roll with a pattern for a little while. When I was younger, I was like the throw the baby out with the bathwater constantly, keep reinventing. And I think um, it was good in some ways, but in other ways, sometimes you just need to stick with something and just let it um, organically grow. Now, like I think I said something about like the time of day. Um, I got I got my loose notes here, mm-hmm. and the subject of your painting being like the figure or the say the bouquet or the plants. Um, it's I like that the idea that you don't know if you're receiving them or giving them, and mm-hmm. that's a nice mystery. And it gives the viewer like a, a nicer experience, I think. But I, there's one, there's one painting I can't think of the name of it. But there's a figure with a, uh, a hunting baseball cap on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like he's carrying balloons too, and I'm one of the balloons, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I <laughs> my mind wanders sometimes, and then I think, you know, it's like because you got that aerial perspective, and either that or you're the thought bubble that you know this person's thinking based on. I even... love that. Yeah, that was a fun. That um, the title I think it's Heritage Hunting Cap. I I found I was like googling different patterns and and found that, and I love this idea of being a balloon in addition to the the uh, flowers. And one of the other fun things of that painting is I wanted people to question if the flowers were in front of the person or behind them. So I kind of included, yeah, I included like this little sliver of a pink moon at the bottom almost. And you're like, is that his face and a nose right there? Is this hat on backwards? So yeah, just kind of playing with space like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I like the way you plan out your paintings. It's just like, it's fun, fun little, you know, little tweaks here and there that add a little bit of like narrative to it and, or just a mystery or a puzzle for the viewer, you know? Keeps it interesting. Well, I'm convinced that painters love to play like little jokes or make little jokes that everybody else, like if you're not a painter, you won't find it funny. But if you're a painter, you're like, oh, that's hilarious, you know, like <laughs> just playing with space. Yeah. And that's something that I've always loved to do, you know, in my paintings or just like, you know, when you when you line like I remember making a painting and I had like a seagull in it and like playing with the scale of it being the size of like somebody's eye, you know, so just playing okay. with space a little bit. These are the things that keep me in my studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, Philip, for having me on the show. This has been uh, such a pleasure to be part of the Mixed Media Tapes. Thanks, Erica. Thank you. That was the Erica B. Hess edition, or addition to the episode. Yes. Thanks, Erica. Be sure to check out the I Like Your Work art podcast she puts together each and every week. You can find it on its very own page on her painting website at ericabhess.com. Listen there or where you subscribe to your favorite podcasts. Next up is David Linaway and his accounts and anecdotes regarding his interests in light, color, and the very cool things he does with shadows in his paintings. Thanks for listening and please stay tuned. Hello, David, and welcome to the Mixed Media Tapes. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me again. It's nice to talk with you again and excited to talk about uh, some painting and shadows and all sorts of good stuff. So, well, thanks. thanks. Nice to have you back. Yeah, yeah. 
So, David, where is your studio located? Well, I would say it's outside of Chicago, but it's really in Wheaton, which is just one of the many, many suburbs of Chicago, just about an hour outside uh, in the state of Illinois. Kind of, if anybody uh, is possibly not familiar, Chicago is in Illinois. Um, and again, I, I wish, I hope someday to have like a basement, a basement um, you know, cave to paint in. But currently it's uh, what should be our our living room, which has been subdivided into this you know, very cubicle-esque <laughs> type type uh, studio. So, yeah. Oh, that, well, that's cool. I mean, I feel like just thinking about your paintings, um, they they create an environment. I can imagine being in a somewhat small room with on each wall having a painting and, and that would pick up in your peripheral vision to actually create mm-hmm. a neighborhood, like physically, almost like an installation would be, you know? Sure, like an, sure. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but... No, totally. It's it's kind of hilarious though too, because as you know, you know the years drag on, and you keep making more and more stuff, and you keep running out of room. You know, I remember <laughs> essentially moving in here at some point. And I remember taking a like a over the head kind of photo of my studio, and it popped up on my Facebook memories, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like there's just so much crap and clutter. You know, there's so many paintings that have just kind of stacked up, or you know, I remember a couple of years ago there was a uh, Blick had a eight by tens uh, panels that were being clearanced, and I bought like I don't know a ridiculous amount of them. So, you know, you just kind of acquire all these materials, and yeah, yeah. So it's kind of interesting, um, but I, I do look forward to spreading out again. But it's kind of nice to have all that stuff, you know, right, within right. within viewing distance. So, for this, I totally wanted to talk about your shadows and and have you share something about them and. When did that move into your work, do you think? Or when, when did you, did you notice it or did it just kind of happen organically? But one of my, one of my heroes in terms of painting that I really always admired was uh, Wayne Thiebaud. Yeah. You know, there are all of these wonderful color shadows and, you know, kind of subtleties of color. And I always, you know, kind of gravitated towards that. I, I always actually kind of had really colorful work, you know, even starting out. And, um, you know, I think as, as time has progressed, that's something that I really kind of, tried to adapt into the work, you know, as, as I'm observing, you know, various lighting conditions, there's always just like these interesting times of the, you know, morning or early evening where you've got these wonderful shadows and, and things like that hitting, you know, they could be buildings or, you know, just homes or, you know, industrial areas or, you know, like the backside of a grocery store, you know, where there's trash cans or something, you know, yeah, or, yeah. So I always kind of start from kind of looking at something and, and that wasn't always the case either. And certainly not, not like the case that it is now where it's, it's very, very much a part of that. Continuing on, David shares a bit about photography and how he uses it in his studio practice. We're talking a little bit about photography and I took darkroom photography in high school and we're talking a little bit about the evolution of the camera, but I mean, I remember that as being kind of a fun experience. You know, you're trying to play around with, you know, manual, you know, aspects of taking pictures. And I think, you know, as we've kind of adopted, you know, just iPhones and Google phones and all that other stuff, we kind of take it for granted. Um, so for me to kind of move away from that and then, you know, in, in the last, uh, I don't even, I think it's been just a little over a year, maybe a year and a half that I, bought a, a camera that's actually much more like that old school kind of approach. It's just a little uh, micro four-thirds system, which is kind of like a small DSLR. Yeah. 
and um, you know, just kind of even just manually adjusting the the composition to crop things you know in and you know adjust things like that has really kind of changed the way that I'm I'm looking at it and you know there's a period of time where I never really thought about how much that being in a dark room and thinking about photography and playing around with those adjustments really kind of influenced my work and you know I I always just took it as information which might explain some of the various bodies of work that seem much more like information so I think especially now I'm much more I'm just more sensitive to 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 what I'm observing and kind of physically cropping in and out of things and, and kind of looking and I think it just helps me look a lot better if that makes sense as opposed to looking at it as just information like oh those are cool colors that's a cool you know building <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. it, it makes me it makes me think about it a little bit more subtly so like the subject or the process of well, like, the, the, as... the light, the light, the color, the shadows. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing. I mean, it just, I think it's a little bit closer to like when you're, you know, outdoors painting. And again, that's something that, you know, I've kind of dabbled in. I don't, I wouldn't consider myself a great plein air painter by any means, but it's much more about that process of looking. And I think, again, I was, you know, since I didn't always have that experience of being out outdoors, trying to paint something, yeah. um, it's interesting to kind of put in your work, you know, and I think that's something maybe a little bit closer in terms of the, the paintings that I've been working on. They're, they're closer to that experience of looking at what I'm painting or observing, um, as opposed to, again, just information that I'm making more adjustments with, or that feel more disconnected from that experience. If it's helpful to talk, especially to the the most current series of work, especially relative to shadows, um, yeah. you know, a lot of times things will just occur to me through observation. So um, it's not quite the same series I feel like that I'm working on now. But you know, for a number of years, my wife and I were literally just walking through through the neighborhood before I was kind of like, oh, you know, I should be taking pictures of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then before that, it was like, you know, driving, you know, or being on vacation or kind of you know, driving past, uh, you know, an old gas station 10 times where inevitably I just keep taking the same photo, which is hilarious. I've gone through, mm-hmm. you know, stacks of photos where I go back and I'm like, oh, I took that same photo or, you know, there's places that I lose where it's from and then wind up taking the same photo and be like, oh my gosh, that's a painting I've done. Um, <laughs> so yeah. it'll be really, really interesting moving forward when I, when I get into my fifties, cause I'll, my memory will start slipping and, um, <laughs> we have a you record, know. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, in the, in the most recent series, um, it's kind of, again, it feels like a different time slightly in terms of how I've approached it. It just so happened that I was just in the fall kind of driving around a lot and noticing a lot of these, you know, uh, tree forms, you know, hitting the sides of houses at, at various times of the day. Yeah. Um, and again, there's just something about, you know, especially towards as we get into the winter, there's like a winter light where it's just really intensified on a clear day where you get these, you know, really bright colors and then these, you know, cooler shadow colors. And, um, you know, there's just something about the, the, you know, all the variation of the line and, you know, the way that you're seeing all these, you know, tree forms hitting the sides of houses that just kind of really became something that drew me in. And so to, to talk about that process a little bit, I mean, again, you know, so I, I really literally over the course of, I think, you know, like a, a week's time just kept going out. Um, and it wasn't super cold at the time. It was like in December 
And I'd just be kind of going out, walking through neighborhoods and just taking photographs of everything. And then um, slowly weeding those out. You know, I think I had some, something like a little over 100 photographs that I've slowly weeded down to, I think, about 25. So yeah. there's maybe about 25 uh, paintings that I'm really interested in. And I think one of the things that's kind of maybe a little bit of a throwback, I've been kind of more including um, larger chunks of whatever it is that I'm painting. And, and I guess in this most recent series, it's mostly, you know, suburban homes, but I, I was having to kind of incorporate the entire home. And with yeah. these newer series, I wanted to play around a lot more with, you know, cropping and, and, you know, focusing on the parts that I really liked. And, you know, since I've become a little bit more comfortable as a, a you know, representational slash landscape painter, you know, leaving some of these elements that I might kind of incorporate in terms of the composition. But, you know, a lot of those shadows, again, were just kind of collected, you know, during these walks and, you know, looking and, you know, just kind of being observant. And and again, too, when it comes to actually painting them, I think one of the things that you're kind of uh, curious about was like the the intuitive side of it. You know, again, it's really interesting because if I think back, kind of like we were talking about, the earliest works that were kind of successful, I think, in this series were, again, really kind of at the start of my, my graduate uh, studies, which was, you know, back in 2004, which is crazy yeah. uh, to think about how far back, <laughs> you know, how quickly time goes, you know, I mean, we're talking 15 years already. Um, but, um, you know, there's a period of time where I very literally, I would assess myself on, you know, I have, I have this whole day, I'm going to paint for 14 hours, I'm going to paint all of these elements and kind of reduce them into their, um, you know, just flat shapes of color. And I always had to paint everything. And there was always a period of time where a painting was kind of in transition, you know, halfway through the day, some things were there and then there'd be these line drawings, you know, and I'd be like, oh, you know, it kind of looks interesting, unfinished. And, yeah, yeah. you know, that certainly kind of, you know, evolved, you know, into the into the other series of paintings where it was just, you know, on wood grain, there was no photo transfer like there is now. Um, but it still has that intuitive aspect to it. Whereas I'm starting, I'll usually gravitate towards the the colors or the shadows or the things that, you know, I find most interesting. Um, and then also just from a practical standpoint, windows and tiny details are usually my least favorite things to paint. It's usually oh, yeah? as, as a, yeah, as, as a painting goes on, um, after I kind of get all of these pesky details of the, out of the way, um, it's, it's usually towards the end of the painting, uh, yeah, that yeah. I'm, that I feel more liberated in terms of just like, Oh, especially with things like, it sounds silly, but like in these recent series, there's a lot of, you know, these, um, shadows moving across grass and things like that. Yeah. I kind of love those because again, they're just like nice and loose. I get to kind of play a little bit more with saturated color, you know, cause there's a lot of off white homes and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it's not quite as fun. Um, so there's kind of this intuitive process a little bit, I, I think, but um, I always start out with the things that, you know, I'm most drawn to. And then, you know, it's really kind of revisiting it. And that's something that's definitely changed because very literally, you know, when you're in school, you're like, oh, I've got a got deadlines, you know, I've only got so much time. So it doesn't, I think, allow you this slow look. And I think that's something that I really love now, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably experienced this a little bit too, because you've got you know, various collage work that you're working on as well as other paintings and, you yeah, know, the, these things. The look each other. Is, I love the idea of slow and I'm, I'm glad you said that because it's, I've actually been trying to incorporate that into my own practice to um, 
look a lot more and I probably look more than I paint now. And, and I, I enjoy that, you know, I think it's important, uh, whether it's, you know, look at the painting itself or your subject, if it happens to be, um, an external subject, that's not, you know, in, you know, your imagination, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, just the slow experience and the slow painting is good. I think. <laughs> Next up, David shares a bit more on the process he uses while working on his latest series, Pembroke Lane. And I think this kind of goes to what I was just speaking about, you know, like moving away from this idea of having to paint everything. It's like, what what is the essence? What are the things that are going to activate this painting? And almost like, what do I not need to, to complete to do that? You know, because I think that gives it a little bit more life, um, especially for me, because you know, like a lot of people will say, you know, even as I finish just a photo transfer and again, just to kind of break down that process for anybody that might not know, I literally will take a, you know, this, this photograph that I've taken, you know, I'll manipulate it in Photoshop. Um, and again, okay. in this recent series, um, you know, I, I've, I'm not usually some, someone to work a little bit and I, I, I guess nine by 12 isn't small as some people, uh, just saw a call for entries <laughs> for a show for small works. And I think everything was under seven inches. So it, it's inter it's interesting because I, you know, really like this longer format. And so there's kind of a slightly different format change. And I've been playing around with that, that composition a lot, you know, digitally, but after I kind of get it all set up, I'll, you know, essentially do like an image reversal where I kind of flip it, you know, horizontally digitally so that when I, um, go to print them out again, I'll, I print them out with like a laser printer and then, you know, I've got my, my wood panel surface and I kind of, you know, affix it to it. Um, kind of like uh, screen printing. Have, have you ever done screen printing? Uh, no, I know it, but not, uh, first yeah, yeah. kind of like printmaking where you kind of have like a, you know, some kind of registration or, you know, some matrix, if, gosh, I think I use that word right. So hopefully printmakers out there are like, yes. Um, but you know, like, um, uh, you kind of just affix that to the board and then, um, there's a number of different materials you can use. Um, but I've, I've been using wintergreen oil, which is actually, I believe kind of like a sanitizer slash horse. <laughs> it's, it's a product used for, I think, sanitizing horse like equipment or something like that. It's oh, very yeah. like potent. You have to have a lot of ventilation. Yeah. Um, and then they're kind of burnished to this wood surface, which produces this really kind of soft photograph, almost like a worn kind of memory. You yeah, know? And, yeah. I think, and I think that's something, oh, maybe I'm going to write that down down uh, in lieu of some of the words that I would use to uh, describe my work. But worn might be one of them, you know. Oh, um, OK. Yeah. Something that, something that looks old and weathered, you know, I love that. Um, you know, somebody that framed pictures for a chunk of time for a living, um, you know, you'd always go into like an old for some reason in graduate school, there's a Euro place that, you know, just had these old posters. I'm sure you've been to like an old restaurant, like a pizza place. They just have these old posters yeah, yeah. that are getting hit by sunlight and, yeah. you know, the color is long since faded and everything like that. So there's kind of like this real, you know, faded quality of these works that I could easily stop at. And so to kind of get a long way around back to what I was saying, it's kind of like leaving some of these, these elements that kind of, you know, help activate the painting mix with these kind of flat, colorful shapes. So I think at a distance, you know, they kind of feel more complete. And then as you kind of approach them and get close up to them, you realize yeah. they're fragmented. And, and that's something that I really like to kind of talk about my, I guess, relationship with, you know, the suburb and, 
ideals and I certainly don't feel I feel idealistic I guess like I did in my youth but um <laughs> I don't, maybe these are a reality checks sometimes maybe they're just um I don't know something that I that I feel really nostalgic about too so Next up I asked David my mystery question listen in If your paintings had a season what would it be like as in where would they live or just simply as a subject like what season would they detail yeah, it's such an interesting question because my initial response immediately pops into my head is summer. It's definitely a summer. Cool. But that's not at all <laughs> where, where my most recent series came from. You know, it's yeah, all yeah. winter. Um, but one of the things that I think that also kind of makes me think about is there's a universality to, to landscapes and, you know, architecture. Um, so it's very interesting because at various stages I've had shows where you know, I've had people from California, you know, come up to me when I'm, you know, making Midwestern paintings saying like, oh, this totally reminds me of these houses that I grew up by, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that's really kind of interesting because, um, I don't know, for me, it, it really has that, I never thought about it having that universal kind of appeal, you know, that you could be from Tennessee and be familiar with something like this or... You know, right. and and again, everything has its own dialect a little bit. You know, if you've ever been to New Orleans, um, the houses are so colorful and, you know, they're like long format. I think they're called shotgun, shotgun houses, okay. you know, because they're really long format. Um, and so it's kind of interesting because they all have their kind of different flavor. Um, but I don't know if I've answered your question partially. Um, uh, summer's uh, good. I mean, sometimes a one word answer is like really direct <laughs> and, you know, yeah. um, Otherwise, but it didn't end there. You described some houses, but um, <laughs> well, I just I, like I was thinking about light, you know, and and sure. the shadow too, of course. But like it's I I find I think it's uh, some of the, some of my notes are coming back to me here. The idea that the duality of most of your paintings that they have not only physically like some have paint, some are just the transfers, which is a little bit you know I imagine just a flatter application of an image. Mm-hmm. Um, but they become physical and actually could be two different seasons in one painting, you know, cause the, the transfers seem to be overall pretty warm to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, totally. Yeah. So I thought and, that and, was cool. And it's something that can be, you know, obviously like there'll be something that I'll find that's old, you know, that I, you know, maybe meant to do something with. And, and I, oddly enough, like in terms of like painting, I feel like it comes in seasons, you know, like there's a, a period of real, you know, production. And then there's like okay. a halt to that production, you know? So like in a, in a similar way, I can come back to something that I might've found or seen, you know, two years ago that somehow winds it winds up, you know, becoming part of a painting again. And I remember, you know, my wife driving me around and I was just taking, you know, tons of photographs of homes in the snow, you know, and I know I've done stuff like that before, but you know, just lots of snow covered things. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I don't discredit that coming back to me at some point, you know. Um, but I think that's kind of one of the things that's interesting, too, about being a part-time landscape painter, I guess, is that that seasonal aspect is something that is really interesting to me, too, because, you know, there's, there's stuff that I take as, as reference to, to hopefully kind of get back to a little bit, but it's really all different times of the year, too, you know. Um, but it's weird, too, because I think about that, in relationship to place, especially too, I was years ago, I visited, um, the university of Wyoming 
uh, my friends teach there and I did like a visiting artist gig for like a week and it was really an excuse for me to hang out with them for a month. Yeah. They were really cool about it. <laughs> they let me live with them for a month, which is nuts, you know, but I got to hang out with, with them and, and, and paint. Um, but the, there was this, you know, different quality about, cause I don't know if you know much about Laramie, Wyoming, but it's really high altitude and the light is just slightly different. And I don't, it sounds crazy to think about it like that, you know? Like light can be different in different altitudes and climates, but I think it's totally true. There's just this beautiful light that you see, um, and it's not unlike the the winter light that I that I was noticing in this most recent body of work. So, can you use three to five works of, words to describe your palette or your paintings? So I have subdued, intense, inviting, warm, worn. Um, so. I don't know. It's weird because it kind of makes me think about experience as opposed to, you know, red, you know, again, when you say palette, you know, like I'm, it's interesting because somebody might think like initially, like what colors, you know, or something like that. So yeah. I think it's because I, you know, part of those words kind of speak to, you know, the nature of various colors, you know, like I'm, I'm drawn to intense colors like anybody. I love using them in my paintings. Um, and that's some of the fun in it, you know, is having these really, intensely colored areas but then there's these subdued areas that are you know very um specific they're more measured you know um and then i think that there's like a invited inviting quality to them you know they can be kind of like this warm and inviting thing um and so again i don't know if nostalgia or worn is better than but you know, yeah. when we're talking, that's something that I think definitely kind of relates to that that photo side of it is this kind of quality of something looking worn or unfinished or in process. Probably talked about this before, too, but I, I remember some of the bodies of work that I've done that are kind of just on, on wood. You know, it was this process of kind of creating this weathered surface. And I really thought about the billboards that I would see driving out in in the West and, you know, Wyoming and Colorado where... You know, very literally, you'd see some old billboard that's been, you know, covered and, you know, weathered off over and over and over, and it just kind of looks damaged and yeah. has these variations. And I kind of wanted that same quality for the surface of what I painted on. So, again, seven words there. You'll you'll have to pick the best ones. <laughs> I'm gonna pick out every so. other word and see if we can get down to seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. Well, I actually have, if you don't mind, I have a couple words. Sure, sure. For your your work, um, and they're actually um, they go together. So, buried treasure. Interesting. Yeah, that so. makes sense. Well, I mean, again, if, if you think about like, it's weird because I, you know, it might be like a trite thing to say, but you know, you know, we make art from what we know. I think, and I think part of the thing about working from something that's banal, you know, the houses are things that people don't necessarily always take into being the most exciting subject matter. Um, for me, they kind of recall the the formal qualities that I love so much about those modern abstract paintings that I love so much, you know, um, you know, being drawn into like the, the colors of a Rothko or, you know, Devencorn, the way that I would see, you know, the colors in the, in the side of a house or, you know, a garage door, you know? Yeah. Um, so buried treasure kind of makes sense in some ways because it's like, Again, the subject matter that people don't necessarily get drawn to immediately, you know, kind of like in a similar way, people when they're younger might be drawn into 
really kitsch subject matter because it it's meant to be more important, you know, something that's got to be really grand. And um, I think buried treasure is actually like a nice phrase. Oh, thanks. No, I'm going to change one of the titles now to, you know, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> buried treasure eight. <laughs> <laughs> My name is David Linaway and you're listening to the mixed media tapes. Hey, thanks for listening to the Mixed Media Tapes. Just wanted to say thanks again to our guests today, Erica B. Hess and David Linaway. Do check out their amazing work at themixedmediatapes.blogspot.com or more importantly, their websites. And again, ericabhess.com, you'll find the stellar and fun I Like Your Work podcast, as well as Erica's awesome paintings. And Captain of the Studio Break podcast is David Linaway. You'll find that podcast at studiobreak.com and his poetic paintings over at davidlinaway.com. <laughs>